Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pact. And your host, Fino. You look at Langford and the way Cook is playing serviceability on that point, you can't, you can't not commemorate how he's playing. He makes the big third down conversions, Lou, and that is something that you cannot understate. It is, and I, I don't think you need to be a flashy guy in there, and I don't no, think don't. anyone expected that of Cook coming into this year. Honestly, most people didn't even think he was going to get the spot. But seeing the way he's playing, consistency is so huge. Third down conversions, no turnovers, just playing solid, and that's what you need to do. No mistakes is is so valuable. I'd rather have a guy like that than a guy, say, Denard Robinson, who's just going to huck up balls. He'll make a 90-yard pass once in a while, but, I mean, the other three times, what's going to happen? Interception, something else. And this isn't a Michigan State team that can deal with stuff like that. So Connor Cook, I think he's the, he's the perfect guy right now. I agree, and he, Connor Cook is the guy. I'm agreeing with everyone today. Wow, we're supposed to be embracing Spartan debate. <laughs> we're agreeing. But how could you not? Michigan State with a big win. And you know, Lou kind of mentioned really is, look, he's not going to be Denard and good because the way I see Michigan State is they run that pro-style offense. Look, Langford with 32 carries, to me, is actually surprising, but it says a lot what Coach D expects out of the running backs. You know, Michigan State ran the ball 48 times. They throw the ball 32 times. So what does that say? They feel more confident with having the ball on the ground, okay? So when I see that is, yeah, you don't really have any more end-around game as they used to have in the past with Keyshawn and even B.J. Cunningham to a point, but you're running it 32 times a game with Langford. And for me, Harry, my game ball definitely goes to Jeremy Langford. Yeah, Langford with 151 yards and three touchdowns. And I'm going to throw out some facts that might shock some people. Through six Big Ten games this year, Jeremy Langford actually has more yards, 658 to 639, and a better yards per carry, 4.67 to 4.45, than Le'Veon Bell did through the same amount of Big Ten games last year. That's big. That's impressive. That's and I'm good. S- that's, that's sneaky good. You know, that's so. Gl- I'm so glad that Harry brought that up because here I am saying not to compare the two, but now that we're comparing the two, at this point, look, there's no doubt about it that Bell would have been special had he came back for a senior campaign. He doesn't. He goes pro. He's in the Steel City. But guess what? His loss isn't really felt that much on this team. Langford is making everyone forget who number 24 was. And I think that's also big, and no one's really talking about Langford's play. He's not hurtling over people, but he's getting the job done, and that's good. He's having a sneaky great season. And I love that because no one's really talking about him, but he's getting the job done. And out of a Michigan State team, that's what you need to expect is getting the job done, Goody. You know, I don't think we need to make these special hurdle plays or do all these ridiculous things. We have enough in our core right now to actually keep the, keep the ball moving and push things together and have a good bowl appearance. I really, really think it's a great season for that. So let me say this on a bowl appearance, now that you mention it, guys, is, okay, so we can't get ahead of ourselves, but Michigan State, you know, at Northwestern, home to Minnesota, you go figure they're going to win those two games out. They're going to sit at about 11-1 and going into the Big Ten Championship game. Whatever, whatever happens against Ohio State, assuming that Ohio State is your team, but, okay, do you have him in the Rose Bowl? Do you have him beating Ohio State? Because right now, Big10.com actually has him in the Capital One Bowl, which, you know, for our listeners, that's the number two bowl for a Big Ten team. A very respected team that Michigan State projected to face off with the Missouri team, who is an SAC powerhouse. So that would also be a good match to see. So what I'm saying really is, with Michigan State, is they play very well when they can. Okay? 
the Capital One Bowl is going to be a big game if Michigan State takes that. But what can you look at of this team? Defensively, they allow a touchdown in this game. Faith. So they allow a touchdown in this game. It's really shocking that they allow a touchdown. But it's not really because they never won at this, you know, against a Nebraska team, Faith. Yes. I mean, there's been multiple times we've traveled here to Nebraska and we've lost what, eight, nine times? This is the ninth time, and we actually finally win. And so it's incredible. And um, I do have to give special props to the special teams. You know, we got Sadler going for that Charlie Brown. That's awesome. That's one thing that definitely flipped during the game. And um, Geiger with those punts. Yeah, I mean, look, Geiger and Sadler, of course. Sadler looked very good, but let's talk about the fake punt for a second. Love it. Oh, what do they call Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. You know, Coach Antonio has names for everything. His names are so great. <laughs> yeah. Love so. It. What do you guys think about the call, Lou? I like the call. I mean, I mean, it's a bold call, though. It is, mm-hmm. but it worked in our favor. And I think D'Antonio really knows the timing. And when you make a play That's like that, it really is all about timing. And at that point, it was the perfect time in that game. I agree. When you have a coach to the stature of D'Antonio, you just have to trust the guy. He knows the right calls to make at the right times. He's putting his players in these positions to be able to do, th- do the things that they're doing because he is that intelligent, and because he pushes them to that next level. He is the core. He absolutely is, every single time. I, I actually have a question for you guys. Yeah, all right. Uh, this has been a little bit debated on uh, radio today, but do you think that Coach D'Antonio has done enough to maybe be considered as the coach of the year in the NCAA? That's a very interesting tra- question. I say no, just because I think... For that to happen, I think Michigan State's going to really need to be in a Rose Bowl for that to happen. I don't know what you guys Who's think. Who's done a better coaching job? See, that's a, that's the interesting. You could say Urban Meyer. You can argue Urban Meyer hasn't even lost the game in his Ohio State history. <laughs> but if you're looking at a team who I, – I feel like a coach of the year needs to be a guy I don't even who think exceeded you... ex- expectations. Everyone expected Ohio State yeah. to do what they're doing. Yeah. But D'Antonio coming in, no Le'Veon, the QB situation the way it was, coming uh-huh. off last year uh-huh. – Everyone thought we were coming into the season. Everyone I talked to thought that we were going to lose to Michigan. I mean, everyone thought that we were going to have a mediocre year. And look at what's going on. I never thought Michigan State was going to have a mediocre year. I always knew they would play well because the defense looked so good. But no one thought the defense for Michigan State would be that good. And I think that's what's really surprising everyone. But if we're talking about NCAA Coach of the Year, I don't even think he's Coach of the Year in the Big Ten. I, so I, I, I said Urban Meyer. I think, I think a big reason why we're 9-1, I hate to say it, but our schedule panned out to be pretty it's, soft compared to, compared to other schools. You can't schools. argue it. The Big Ten is pretty mediocre this year. Michigan didn't turn out to, to be the team that they, that they were supposed to be. Those tight games versus Akron and all those other near losses they had didn't turn out to be the exception. They were actually how good Michigan was. They're not looking good right now. Not many teams we've played have looked great. That win against Nebraska was pre- a good win, but nothing special. I think the the game against Ohio State will be big, and I think if Mark D'Antonio wins that game, he will be coach of the year in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean that that's a statement, but we're talking about you know kind of a cupcake schedule. Obviously, we can mention that Michigan State schedule isn't that um, incredible, but if you look at Ohio State schedule, okay, Northwestern was a ranked win in their at that ter- time. At that time, sixteen. Yeah. Okay, they were four and zero. But when you look at it, okay, they don't play Michigan State in the regular season. They don't play Nebraska in the regular season, and they don't even play Minnesota. And the reason why I mentioned Minnesota is because Minnesota is ranked right now, and they're playing excellent football. So I'm looking at their schedule as they don't even really play the dominant teams in the Big Ten. It's really Wisconsin, if you look at it. I don't count Northwestern because they haven't won a game since. And you look at Michigan, as you, Harry, you mentioned, they haven't panned out. 
at all. And that's been the problem with the Big Ten. We've taken a lot of heat from the media just because we kind of beat up on each other, and it's so much parity in the league. Right now, Michigan State actually doesn't have a win over a team ranked in the top 25. So I think that's really hurting us right now. I mean, absolutely. If you really look at it, it does hurt you. But I think, you know, when you mention what hurts you and what doesn't hurt you is I look at it and I go, okay, let's look at the standings of every conference. Look at the strength of every conference. And I don't even think the Big Ten is one of the strongest conferences in football. It's weak. It's down this year, guys. I agree with you 100%, Fino. That's actually probably going to be the biggest downfall of our season is the fact that when we do play the elites, we are going to get walked on if we continue to continue to play offensively the way we do. Even though Connor Cook has been stepping up, Jeremy Langford has been stepping up, I still think that the SEC defenses, the the you know stronger Big Ten defenses, mm-hmm. they can really control us. You, you mentioned you mentioned strong stronger Big Ten uh, defense. I think there's not a defense stronger than Michigan State. I think no. Michigan State is the best defense. Okay. But. Nebraska got the most yards on us than any team has this year. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but you can't set back. This is the team that hasn't allowed a touchdown in three games before that Nebraska game. So, And we also caused them five turnovers. And not only were there five turnovers, they were all in Nebraska's territory. Which is huge. It's it's timely turnovers. And I think, forget how the defense played, I think you just got to take a win where you get one. Mm -hmm. This is a place where Michigan State has never won a game. Their defense goes and wins a game, Lou. I think at this point in the season, the way that we've been playing – Obviously, it's wins. Wins are still number one because we want to get to that Big Ten championship. Uh, of course. But you, I think you have to start analyzing your team mm-hmm. game to game and looking at what you need to work on getting into that Big Ten championship game. And I think the defense didn't play as well. That could have been because of the bye week. That could have been for other reasons. But honestly, I don't think it's a problem, and it might even be a good thing because they're forced to look at themselves, mm-hmm. give themselves some humility and maybe make some adjustments and get better so that when they do face Ohio State, God willing, I mean, we're gonna, we can handle them. Yeah, I agree. Okay. But, but they made gaps in our defense. Yeah, they, they broke did. down our defense. They split out the receivers so our linebackers had to follow them out. They left gaps up in the middle. That's how they got you know runs. I know they had one big run that was 51 yards. Yeah, I saw right. Just like one. A, Take that away, and we're already ahead of them. I, I agree. And Faith mentions his 51-yard scamper. They ran to the right side of the field. They cut it back all the way to the left side, and they yep. just get out of bounds. So they know how to really find the holes. They've done their homework, and that's what Michigan State has to understand is they are one of the few competitive teams in the Big Ten. Every game left is going to be a statement game for opponents coming in. You want to make a statement. You want to make a case for your football team. So Michigan State has to be aware of the fact that every team that they're going to play is going to bring their A game, whether it's Northwestern, whether it's Illinois, Indiana, whoever the team is that they've beaten or will go to play. You know, what makes you say that, you know, Minnesota won't come to Spartan Stadium. They have, you know, Wisconsin this week. But if they beat Wisconsin this week, okay, a 23 versus 25 matchup, let's just say they beat Wisconsin. They're 9-2. and two. Their season's on the line right there. So you have a ranked opponent for Michigan State. If you're Sparty, you think in that aspect, and you're like, okay, here's another ranked team that we can improve our resume. You have to be aware of that fact that every team's going to come in and march into Spartan Stadium or wherever they go, and they're going to have a target on their back, neutral turf or not. Absolutely. Michigan State football and Michigan State basketball right now both have a target on their back. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that's a bad thing, though, for Mr. Sparty over here because I love that. But at the same time, it's going to make the rest of the season for both teams harder. Looking back at football, Nebraska controlled the yardage. They had more first downs than we they did. did. You know, they were taking less penalties than we were. But what I am looking at right now is 
we were controlling the ball for 40 minutes of the game, and they had it for about 20 minutes of the game. Mm. And that's the difference. That's yeah. that defense. Again. I mean, that's what you're yep. saying. And that, I forget who it was. I think it was Faith or Harry, one of the two. You guys mentioned all the turnovers. And I think who cares if you out got out, you know, rushed or out yardage or more first downs or more conversions? That's irrelevant. Because if you turn the ball over in their zone, Michigan State's going to make you pay. And they did. And that's what good teams do. They take teams, they turn the ball over against them in competitive and hostile environments, and they win faith. And their five turnovers basically turned into 24 points for us. And that's huge. That wins the game. Points off turnovers, guys. And you can't even look at the fact of points off turnovers. Period. Without a doubt. And going back to the target on their back idea there, mm-hmm. I think with a team, especially this team, with a defense as confident as it, as it is in itself, because it's so strong and they know that, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. They come into these games relishing that opportunity to be the guy who everyone wants to beat so that they can push them back down and let them know you're not on our level. And I think that that's the way this team's looking, especially that defense. That's the way you have to look. And you have to look at the defense versus the offense. And I've said it. The Achilles heel for this season and this team is going to be the offense. Well, you know what you're going to get out of the defense. But if the offense plays serviceable, Faith, we mentioned Connor Cook. We mentioned Connor Cook. If they play with serviceability, Harry, they don't turn the ball over, you're going to win football games. I actually disagree with that statement. Okay. This offense has been taking a lot of heat this year, and rightfully so at the beginning of the year against South Florida, Western Michigan. We were having a tough time, but now with games like the 41 points we dropped against Illinois, another 41 here, mm-hmm. we've actually brought our points. Those are per terrible teams, though. Points per game total is 30.9 this year. In Kirk Cousins' junior season, back in the glory days of MSU's, o- MSU's right. offense, we were 29.5. So we are actually a point and a half greater. 2012 Kirk Cousins senior year, they were averaging 31 points per game. So they're only one-tenth of a point higher than us, and that might have to do with a better, I mean, a tougher schedule for them and an easier schedule for us. But we're putting points on the board. We are doing that, and we had a rough game defensively, and we have to give props to the offense where props are due because they came to play. They showed up. They took advantage of the fact that they did have five turnovers. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Harry. And, you know, I can entertain the argument, and we'll just one quick thought before we take a break. I'll say this. Passing yards in the FBS, 96. Rushing yards in the FBS, 48. Points for, 54th with 30.9 points per game. That's Mm -hmm. excellent. But guess what? Points against, 4th in the FBS, 13.2. So, yes, I agree that the offense has played well of late, and they're playing better to expectations, but it's no fair to compare the defense for the offense because at one point, guys, the defense was outscoring the offense. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll talk a little field hockey here on the Pats. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. All the gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only Impact Prime Time. Now back to Impact Exposure. 
That's right. We are back on the Pact. Your host, Fino, alongside. It's a 7.23 Eastern Time PM in the basement of Holden Hall. As you know, the number to call in, as always, 517-432-3893. 517-432-3893 is our number. Hey, you know, Harry, Austin, Faith, and Lou, alongside your host, Fino. You know, we kind of talked about football, but we'll talk about it in our next discussion, guys, and it's MSU Field Hockey. And what a game for these girls. Obviously, they lost at Connecticut, second round, whatever, Elite Eight, actually. I know Field Hockey's got a little bit of a smaller bracket, but second round is Elite Eight. Um, so they lose in that second, third round, whatever you want to call it. 3-1 to Connecticut. But let's talk about what they accomplished this season that no one expected them to. Going into this year, there wasn't, I don't want to say there wasn't a lot of expectations for the Field Hockey girls, because those girls play very hard. But... If you were telling me before this season that Michigan State field hockey would win the Big Ten title game, I'll tell you you're crazy. If you told me that Michigan State field hockey would win the Big Ten regular season title, which they didn't, I told you you'd be crazy. Although they made a run when it mattered. But if you told me that they'd stop a 45-game win streak at Syracuse, a team that they previously lost to, I'd tell you you're crazy. And if you told me in the playing game, at home, they played a Miami-Ohio team, which they lost to at Oxford, Earlier in the year, and they would beat them to play you, you know, to set up that Syracuse matchup. I tell you, you're also crazy. So, what am I kind of correlating to? I think there's a lot to rave about for these field hockey women this season. Yeah, I mean, the seniors go out with some style, they get some hardware, they knock a couple teams, you know, they go into that third round, the playing game, the first, second round, you know, however you want to look at it. But when I look at this field hockey team, I said, there's a lot to be proud of. You look, you win the game, you have a schedule that, you know, it's kind of unbalanced, and I say it's unbalanced because you finish up the season 14-10, and 10, but you go into that season and you're, what are you, 11-9, and 12-9, and 9, and then you start their, their Big Ten tournament push. They, you know, they win at Iowa in Iowa City 4-3. They go into Columbus. They beat Indiana 6-0. They have a thriller double overtime at Ohio State. They win the next round the next day. Get a break. That next Sunday, they win 3-2 against an Iowa team on neutral turf. What a game. And this past Wednesday, they beat Miami, Ohio. They snapped that Cuse in Syracuse. Not at Michigan State, in Syracuse. 2-1. And then at Syracuse, not so lucky. They lose 3-1 to Connecticut. So, a lot to be proud of, Harry. I love what I saw to the field hockey team. And, you know, I don't know what you saw differently from me. But I think it's a good season for these girls. Great season. Great season. And if you look at it, they went 6-1 and one in November. And that's clutch time. They did a great job of... Like you said, taking advantage of the opportunities they were given. And we, I have to give big ups to Allie Ahern, who we had on the show last week. Yeah, she she was, talked about how she was preparing for the week. She had two goals against Miami and an assist against Syracuse. So she came to play, and that's awesome. That's great to hear. I mean, and Allie was a little bit nervous when she was yeah. on the phone with us, too. She was real. She, you know, was she, real. she was really telling us. She, she was told like, us, I remember. You know, that. this is a big game ahead of our team, and they did it. And we asked her, too, guys. We're like, are you nervous? I forget who it was. It was one of you guys. You asked her, like, Allie, are you nervous for this game? And she goes, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you that I'm, I wasn't nervous. They expected the nerves. But you know what, Lou? When I saw it at this team is, when I, I was in person, I watched their, you know, their victory. And it was a dominating victory against oh, Miami, Ohio. When they won that game, I saw confidence out of everyone. Out of Jenny Smith, out of Heather Howie, out of Ali Ahern. I can name all these girls, but forget it. I can't give everyone some love. But the point is, you saw confidence from this team, and they looked very resilient. It did, and I think that that had to carry over into that Syracuse game. And beating a number two team like that has got to be such a high. I mean, it's got to be incredible. And that might have translated into their next win. I don't know if there was a letdown at all. I didn't see the game. But yeah. And it, I mean, it was a tough schedule no matter what. But beating that number two Syracuse team, that's a tremendous accomplishment. I mean, guys, we asked Allie Ahern when she was on, you know, on air with us last week, 
they looked at the bracket. I mean, they were at the Breslin Center for their selection Sunday, whatever it was. They had their selection Sunday. They looked at the bracket. They know the bracket just like we know the bracket. And I, we even asked her, I'm like, Allie, you look at the teams on the bracket. There's not one team in this bracket that you've beaten. And to say that they went and beat Miami, Ohio, that they lost to, beat Syracuse, that they lost to, Harry, that's a huge win. Yeah, exactly. And she talked about playing with nothing to lose. They were playing with house cards. They weren't even supposed to be in that position. They came into the Big Ten tournament with the five seed. So they weren't even supposed to be in the tournament. And so that made them such a dangerous team, the fact that they could kind of go out there and play loose, have some fun with it. And, you know, you mentioned that, Harry, and you said they're playing with some fire. I, like I just said, I was at present for the game, you know, at Ralph Young Field, and they played with the chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. And you could see in the way these girls were playing. They dominated the game. At one point, I think they had 22 shots on goal, Miami, Ohio had two. It was dominating. And really, Miami, Ohio, you know, for someone with field hockey, you know, not that much field hockey experience, I do watch a couple games here and there. I was joking with one of the guy, one of the fathers in the stand. I go, do they play one half on one side of the field and one half on the other? Because <laughs> Michigan State was had the ball on their side of the offensive zone the whole time that whole first half the second half was almost like they were still scoring but they just looked relentless i mean these girls look absolutely outstanding harry mentioned it nothing to lose these seniors had nothing to lose and they finished the season with winning some big 10 hardware are you serious you could never predict that in the beginning of the season and these girls don't deserve they don't get enough praise in this campus and i'm so glad we're here on 88.9 fm and we're giving them some praise (laughs) absolutely i think it kind of speaks to msu athletics as a whole because you, th- right? when you think MSU athletics, you think basketball. You think, you think basketball. Football. Now football. Now football. But, I mean, there are teams like this, and we're going to talk about soccer in a second. MSU athletics is at the top of the country as a whole, and I think it's a great thing to see. And I don't really think that the students and this campus is a, are no. appreciating it as much as they should. And it's kind of depressing that you mentioned that the students aren't depre- you know, appreciating it because for that field hockey tilt on this past Wednesday against Miami, Ohio – 200 tickets were allocated for free for students. And I think I asked the guy, and I'm like, how many students have come to the game? And they said only 22 students have come to the game. And he said that only six students that were not athletes were, came to the game. So, you know, wow. Harry, you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Athletes support athletes in yep. these sporting events. You know, I saw, you know, the men's hockey team was there. The women's hockey team was there. Other teams were present to support other teams. That's just how it goes. You go to a soccer game, you see the volleyball girls, you see the softball girls, you see on athletics support athletics. That's standard. Mm, exactly. But the thing is, I see students that, and Lou mentioned it, they, they're not really, I don't want to say, maybe they're just selfish. I don't, that's, that's, a, that's a bad word, but I'm still going to say it because you're taking for granted how good of a university in athletics we have in this campus. And you know what? It's kind of, it's kind of a shame. That's, I, it's I just a shame. It and I think that the athletic department is I mean, obviously we look at where we're at; it's one of the best. And our academic department is also pretty tremendous. But I think that the university—I don't know how anyone would do this—but I think the university needs to do a better job incorporating those two facets of this great university. I'll say this: Do you think the university athletic communications is at fault for not getting the word out for these teams? I think a little bit. I think you have to place the blame a little bit on them because I, I agree. Mean, it, the only reason I knew about it is because I'm covering sports. And, you know, so it's people in the field and it's other athletes who know about it. And other than that, it's kind of weak. Let me ask you this. If I didn't tell you that they allocated 200 student, uh, tickets for students, if I didn't tell you that, would you have known that? No, I would have no that, idea. See, that's the thing. And, Harry, let me ask you this because Harry is, you know, for our listener, he is an NCAA athlete. He's a varsity tennis player for our university, Michigan State. But I'll say this. You know, you were mentioned athletic comm. You know, do you get a lot of fans for tennis games? And 
before you answer that question, do you, would you like to have fans if you don't? We get a good amount. We could get more for big games like against Michigan or Ohio State, who's a great tennis team. We get we fill the stands. It's standing room only. But yes, I do think that it could be a little bit better with awareness. I don't know how many people even know if there is a field hockey varsity team on MSU on MSU's campus and how fun it is to watch field hockey. It's it's I actually was fun. Clips of the game, so much fun. It's it's, fun. it's it's what we did in the streets when we were kids. You know, it's the same thing it's except the same for there's so time. much more at stake, and you can tell how much the girls want it. They work so hard for that, and that makes it so much fun to watch. I'll say this since I was in person: after the dominating defeat on the hands, you know, Michigan State on the hands of Miami, Ohio. You can see how depressed mm-hmm. those girls on Miami, Ohio were. They were just so sad, but you can say the passion of the game thing, it meant so much for them. See, it was such a physical and an intense game against UConn. Of course, we came up short, but, you know, obviously making it to the Final Four would have been awesome, but just getting that Big Ten championship in itself is incredible. And you can see they're taking a positive step in the direction of, look at us, we are field hockey, yet, and we do have a Big Ten championship. Mm-hmm. We're up there with all the other teams, even though basketball and football might have more media, yeah. you know, but still, they're making a name for themselves, and they're definitely taking a big, positive step in the direction of getting noticed for their accomplishments. I agree. Closing thoughts, Lou. I think that I think these teams. There's a lot to be proud of for these teams that have less publicity that go out and still. I mean, obviously, they're just doing it for themselves and their teammates, and that's what you got to be happy about. But going back to the athletic comp thing, I think that they do have something to blame. But at the same time, if they got the word out. I don't know if students would have gone. We can hardly fill our football stadium. That's true. And every yeah. single person knows about football games on campus. Those schedules are pasted everywhere. I and agree. we can hardly fill our football stadium. It's, it, it's got to be apathy on the part of the students, and I don't know how you address that. You can bring apathy in the – and, you know, that's a great remark. We'll have to close out with this. Yeah, you can say apathy, too. Students are a little more apathetic than others. But here's the thing. You know, you talk to a lot of students, and you can poll them. You know, a lot of students don't even want to purchase the tickets. And, guys, the ticket prices are going – higher and higher every year. I forget what the price was, but they go higher and higher every year. So, you know, you look at something that's free in Olympic sport like field hockey, it's kind of a shame because it's like you have a great team like the MSU field hockey team and no one's going. So, and the same thing with the men's soccer, although they do have a little better attendance. And, you know, it'd just be a shame to what could have been if you would have packed these fans. They're 14 and 10. Could it have been 15 and 9? Could it have been 16 and 8? Could you have had a better record if you had better crowd sport? That's an indefinite question. You just don't know. So, but we got our next topic, and it's MSU men's soccer. You know, we should have coming in in two, three minutes, we have MSU Impact Sports host corner kick. Jonathan Yales is coming on. He will be speaking to us, and he covers MSU soccer men's and women's beat. So we'll have him on air. We'll ask him a couple questions. As we wait for him to come on, though, we kind of bring up MSU soccer. 12-5-3. This team is ranked very high, 11th in the nation. They get a nice draw into the second round, so they have a bye. Good team, Harry. What do you like out of the soccer club? I really like the way they've been playing earlier in the season, early October. They were actually ranked number one in the nation in RPI. So this is a good team. They can do some things in this Difficult tournament. Difficult schedule. Yep, yep. And uh, they they were a three seed coming into the Big Ten tournament. Had some good wins. Reeled off some wins against uh, Ohio State and Northwestern. Lost in the final to Indiana. But weather had to play a huge factor in that. So I, I agree. And we'll, bounce, you know, we'll base off that. But now we welcome to the show... MSU Impact Sports host of Corner Kick, Jonathan Yales. We welcome Jonathan to the show. John Yales, what's going on, bro? It's Fino. Not much. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good, Yales, and we're just kind of talking about this MSU soccer team. We're trying to get the word out for these guys. These guys looked great. They had a great season, so we kind of want to ask you, what did you see out of this team all season long? 
Um, they're a really solid like team. Um, you guys have been talking about the football defense. They have a defense that's a lot like the football team. They don't give up a lot of goals. They've played um, in ten. They've had ten shutouts this whole year. Out of their ten wins and ten shutouts, and um, the six shutouts at home have been six wins. So pretty much any time they win, they're not giving up any goals. So. Yeah, and yeah, you mentioned that too, and you mentioned the shutouts. What about this team's resilience to win? Six games that have gone into the double OT, and in every one of those games, except I believe one, they've gotten a result. I think they lost in double overtime to Penn State, but they've gotten results when they go deep into the game. What does that say about the resilience of this men's soccer club? Exactly. This team doesn't really, they don't really know how to lose. Um, I've only spoke with them a couple times after a loss, honestly. Um, most of the time, they're winning these games, so they they have this attitude that they don't ever want to lose. They don't want to feel like that, and when they do, it's something that they use to build themselves up to go back to the next couple games and win those ones. Now, Jonathan, let's talk a little bit about defense, like you were saying, because we got Kevin Cope, who is a fantastic defender, and he's, you know, 2013 Senior Class Award finalists. And then you got Zach Bennett in the goal, who is only a sophomore, who's making incredible saves. Now, Mm -hmm. the defense, what can you say about them? Like I said, basically every time they win, they're giving up zero goals. You said Kevin Cope, he's pretty much the best defender in the Big Ten. Um, if any of you watched the Big Ten final and the semifinal, he was suffering with, he fractured his rib earlier in the season, and he basically just woke up before Northwestern, and that pain came back. Um, and he fought through both those games with a fractured rib. Every time he touched the ball, any time he went into a tackle, he was just wincing in pain, and Renting called him basically the strongest Spartan ever, one of the greatest fighters, one of the best teammates ever, and that's all that his teammates said. He's just one of the best leaders and one of the strongest guys any of them ever know. And their whole defense is kind of like that as a whole. They have guys like uh, Ryan Keener, who missed the end of the game, or who missed the finals of the Big Ten tournament because of the whole hands thing. But uh, they're just a cohesive group that the goalie, the four uh the four backs don't give up anything, and they pride themselves on that. And I really think that's what allows them to win all these games and be such a good team together is because they have that back four and that keeper who just works so well together and don't allow anything to be Yeah, Yells, you mentioned Kevin Cope, and you mentioned his fractured ribs and how he's playing and how resilient and durable he is. You know, mention how important Cope is to the team. Do you think that will affect how far the Spartans really go in this NCAA tournament, they do play Sunday at 1 o'clock. So, how, yeah, how do you think this is going to affect MSU? Well, the good thing about the bid that they got today was they get a first-round buy. Yeah. Normally, you'd be playing Thursday. Um, so what they're really excited about is getting that extra few days to play Sunday. And now they get a whole week. Like I said, Keener missed the last game um, with a pulled hamstring and Cope was in pain. So they get a week off to prep for these um, either Louisville or Denver, and they get to recover and get back to where they were. Because the past couple games and a few games throughout the season when Cope was out earlier, they were moving like Pataya Lache, who was a midfielder back mm-hmm. to defense, who played amazingly for um, replacing someone like that. 
and that's really been the story all year. They've been able to plug people in um, when other people had to go out, and really that's what that's what this team is. It's anyone can play any position. They're all fighters. They're all going to score whenever they get the chance, and that defense has just been so good for them. That's what's going to take them far. And if you get Cope and if you get Keener and everyone's healthy and you get their confidence back, it's really no one really knows how far this team could go. They could go all the way. He said he could see them losing in the first round because college soccer is so unpredictable, but he also has confidence that this team is going to Philadelphia. Absolutely. So I have a question for you. You're, you're saying you're talking a lot of praise of the MSU soccer team, and I really, I really like that. But you talk the praise. Now, how do you think they're going to fare against these teams? They are number 11 going into the NCAA tournament. Where do you think they will end up in the NCAA tournament? Um, honestly, watching college soccer for a whole season in my whole life, you really cannot predict any of these teams in this 48-team tournament can win the national championship. Obviously, there's ones who are better, but it's not really like a basketball where the underdogs are kind of, they never beat the number one seed. Number one can fall in the first round. Um, so Michigan State could make it to the lead eight. They can lose their first game at DeMartin this Sunday. Um, but realistically, I see them being able to push themselves to an elite eight um, or a quarterfinal. Now, I know we were talking a little bit about weather because I know weather is really plays a big role in soccer, especially like if you're going with the wind. I mean, you can use it to your advantage, but if you're going against it, it's kind of inhibits you. And I know um, it's something just out of your control. And during the games, when the wind is strong, it's important to play ground balls. Did they do that during this last game? Yeah, they Renzi said they wanted to have the ball in the first half and get that goal in the first half with the wind at their back. Um, unfortunately, they weren't able to put one in. They hit one off the post three minutes before the end of the half of the championship for the Big Ten tournament. Um, and that's ultimately what made them lose the game. Was they weren't able to put away that goal when they had the advantage. And Indiana had it um, in the second half, and they were allowed to pressure much more easily offensively, and they put a lot of shots on Bennett. Bennett played his butt off. Um, but in soccer, if you just keep pressuring and Sooner or later, one of them is going to get in. That's what happened. He had a uh, drop kick that went directly to a midfielder, one of the Indiana midfielders, and it brought it back down, and he ran out of bounds, so it was a goal kick. Um, and then he had to kick it again, straight into a wind, and he kicked it. It was a low bouncy ball, and it rolled right to uh, Indiana's Volner, and he hit straight down the field, took a touch to the left, and put it right past Bennett, and that was a good game, and it was a good game. So, coming up this Sunday, um, it's supposed to be 29 degrees as of right now. So, um, I don't know if wind will be much of a factor, but at least the cold will. They haven't really played too many cold games like that. Um, so, it could be a factor, but playing at home, they're a much better team at home. Um, their six teams at home have been six set out. Um, they played a tough schedule, so it, it, it's going to come down to playing, being prepared by playing a whole good team throughout the whole year, and the weather probably won't go to Texas, so it's just better team. Yeah, Yales, you mentioned and you know how Michigan State does not play on Thursday. They have that bye, so they play this Sunday at the Martin Stadium, but the foe that they're playing... You know, the you know, foe they could play is either the winner of the Louisville-Denver game. Real quick, we only got a minute, but 
you know, who do you like to win this game? What do we can expect from either one of these opponents if they play Michigan State? Um, I'm feeling Denver's going to win. Okay. That's just my gut feeling. But uh, Denver's 13-3-3. They swept their Summit League. They won every single league game. They won their tournament. Um, they're on a 14 match on beating streak. Uh, seven of their players may be all-league team, pretty much the whole all-league team. Um, but it's at Louisville. Louisville's 11-4-3. They won the American Athletic Conference. So they're nothing to step over. But uh, So you like Denver? I like Denver. Okay. Um, coming home to, to but you still. I think we have the advantage. All right. So you like Michigan State to, regardless, win in that second round this Sunday? Correct. All right, well, Yale's always so great talking to you. He is our beat writer and the host of you know MSU's Corner Kick here on Impact Sports 88.9 FM. Yale's always good talking to you. We'll be talking to you next week. Hopefully we can talk a little MSU Soccer victory. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Yale's. You take care. Yale's always a great guy to talk to about soccer. He gives us the beat reporter. He is active at all these games. He is, as I mentioned, the host of Spartan MSU Impact Sports Corner Kick. Great guy to talk to you if you haven't checked out his podcast. You really should. But before we go to a break, we'll give you a little you know, a little update on this Michigan State game. They lead 36-32 over Portland. We'll have 41 seconds left in the first half. Pretty solid game so far. As Faith mentioned at the top of the show, or off the air, I can't remember what, Dawson did not start the game, but he is playing a little bit. He only played two points so far. Gauna's got nothing, but Keith Apple's got 16 points. He looks good. Adrian Payne's got 10. Gary Harris is struggling 2 for 7 from the floor. So we'll take a quick break. MSU, you know, basketball is winning at halftime by four. Take a quick break. We're here on Impact Sports. We're talking basketball after the break. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Smoking helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Munoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Hola, hola, coming back from that PSA, Fino alongside, yo no soy Esperanza, pero I'm Fino, your host here at the Pact, as always, you know, alongside Harry, Austin, Faith, and Lou, welcome aboard, and our last segment, guys, we're talking MSU basketball, that's right, the lead by four and a half, over Portland, Payne, ten points, uh, Dawson's got two points, but like Faith mentioned, eh, he wasn't starting, and I thought that's something to talk about, 
you know, Coach Izzo mentioned, and we're talking about MSU basketball, Coach Izzo mentioned that Dawson wasn't starting because he didn't want to slack off. My first debate here in this ending segment is, do you have a problem with Coach Izzo's move here? I don't. I think it's the right move. You can't get complacent with such high expectations, Faith. A coach, a coach has got to do what a coach has got to do. Mm-hmm. If he thinks that he's slacking off, or that he's going to slack off, then if he needs to sit him, he needs to sit him. That's I, his call. I agree. Anyone... Izzo has so so many years of experience that we can be happy with his decision. Yeah, I think Coach Izzo has developed so much respect. I mean, you know, we spoke to Mrs. Izzo last week, so she understands all the respect the players have for Coach Izzo. Is it's just unbelievable. So you cannot second guess a decision by Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo is a legendary head coach, and everyone knows that under the radar, whatever. It's not even under the radar as Coach Izzo. Everyone loves him, but so. My question is now to Harry and Austin. Do you guys have a problem with Coach Izzo's move here? Absolutely You not. don't. Why, though? I mean, Dawson needs to be playing like a superstar, A. B, he needs to be playing like a leader. C, he needs to play. The guy needs to go out there, needs to put the ball in the hoop, and he needs to make plays and create everything that MSU's basketball team revolves around. Tom Izzo puts his foot down and says, no. And you listen because that is the person that's going to push you up, just like I said about Mark D'Antonio earlier. Mm-hmm. Aaron? I do not have a problem with it, obviously, because he's such a great coach. But yeah. I do worry about Brendan Dawson and his confidence. He's coming off that knee injury, still recovering, not mentally all there. He had a great game against Kentucky. But for him, that's I think a this, tough is a, injury, though. this is a funky situation for him because he's our fourth option. We have Payne, we have Harris, and we have Appling. Then we have Dawson on offense. So he's not used to this role where he has to defer to other guys. So I think, I'm worried about him adjusting to that. I hope he does a great job. Izzo and his assistants will do a good job of getting him into that role and acclimating him to that position. What about Lou, Mr. Divizio? I think, I, I, oh, obviously, I have no... I don't think so you don't have a problem. You, you have no. one problem with this move. Right move, Coach Izzo. Boom. Yeah. Gucci. I mean, whatever Izzo thinks, I think. So the move to you is Gucci. It's oh, a Gu- sure. Gucci move. Gucci move. Okay. But uh, who I knows mean, what Gucci means? <laughs> I, I really. <laughs> I love it. But I I see what Harry's saying about his confidence, and you know that's kind of that's a big. It is, and it's it's kind of worrying because I said last show, and I still believe it. I think Dawson's that X factor that can really Take bring me. us that level. I mean, we're ranked number one. But if we were, I mean, if we were to play in a tournament right now, I, I mean, obviously it's early in the year, but without Dawson, we're not going anywhere. I agree with that. I think, you know, you mentioned, and you know, do I dare to throw out a Derrick Rose reference? He didn't even play last year coming back from the ACL injury. In basketball, the ACL injury is so big because you have to develop confidence. And he is such a physical player. He is a, a true three, a small forward. And I think Dawson is the best small forward option on this team. It's not Payne. It's not Appling. Obviously, he's a guard. But you see what I'm saying? There's no one. There's not a legitimate small forward option except for Dawson, Faith. And Gary Harris said, quote, when Brandon brings energy, that's how we play. We usually go how he goes, end quote. Now, you can see he's a natural leader, and people are going to follow his energy. And so if he's not out there, you know, and... It might hurt his confidence. So. I think I think Faith and Gary Harris say it very well here is that, <laughs> look, his confidence and his physical play is contagious on that team. When he plays physical and he's slamming the ball down, Goodman, yo, watch out for Sparty. The Breslin's rocking. I mean, Faith has it right over there. I was saying earlier, Brandon Dawson needs to play like a leader, and he's not. And Tom Izzo will show him the way to play like a leader. And that's the only way that he's going to move up. 
I think Coach Izzo sees something that everyone in the stands do. I think everyone in the student body sees is that Brandon Dawson has the ability to be a superstar. Brandon Dawson is that X factor that can take you Michigan State to the next level. When Dawson isn't playing to that level, he's going to be benched. Not necessarily benched, but not starting. Know that, hey, you have to bring your butt in the gym and you have to bring your butt on that court and really bring your game. You know what I'm saying? You can't play like cabbage on that court and expect to win basketball. It doesn't work like that. I think that's what's something that's going down. You know, just because Gary Harris is still a young member of the MSU community, is he playing up to part of this season right now? Well, you, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, it's debatable, but Gary Harris has such a high expectation. He's two for seven on his half. Impact, let's debate it. Tell me, is Gary Harris going to bring it up? I think, I think if Gary Harris wants to go pro this season, he's going to have to step his butt up. I thought Gary Harris came out to play against Kentucky. He, yeah, he did. He, he, he set the pace in the first half he of set, those 15 he, points. And he made big in shots, first, too. Yeah. He did turn down in the second, but the whole team turned down in the second. Turned down for what? Turn, I, that's what I was trying come to on. figure out while I was watching Guys, the game. Guys, come on. But Gary Harris is your leader. He is the core of your team. Why is Gary Harris not putting up those three-point shots? Why is he not run, you know, running the ball the best? Uh, running the ball the basketball hoop. Why isn't he doing those things like, you know, if he wants to go pro, show it. Yeah. Faith? It's still early in the season. I think that's that has a lot to do with it right now. I'll say this. Right now, who is the best? Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll get to Harry and I'll get to my next the, thing. The great thing about this team, though, is when you key in defensively on a guy like Gary Harris, there's Keith Applin coming at you. He silently had a 22-7-7 against eight, eight, 22 8 8 22 8 and 8 that's and phenomenal. four steals. That's phenomenal. Four st- and I, I, they probably mentioned Gary Harris's name ten times as much as Appling, but Appling had a better game, and that probably has to do with Kentucky throwing their best defender on Harris. So Keith Applin is going to have some opportunities this year because we have so many offensive options, because we're such a great team that he's going to get their third, fourth best defender. Here's my thing, guys, and we'll debate it right now. Right now in the season, obviously we're three, four games into the regular season. Who is the best player so far on this team? I'm saying Keith Applin. I go with Adrian Payne. You okay, cannot, yeah. You cannot over underestimate I the, the impact that a good big man will have on the game. You cannot replace that, no matter the what. The reason why I'm saying Keith Applin is because last season, Keith Applin shot for the whole season about 42% from the field. Right now, he's on pace for 52%. But in that Kentucky game, a huge game, mm-hmm. and, you know, a neutral court, you said it, Harry, 22-8-8-4 steals. He shot 57%. From the floor, 8 for 14. When you shoot like that, Michigan State's going to win ball games, Goody. Yeah, absolutely. But I, you know what? I like what Harry has to say right there. Pain. He likes pain. pain. He likes pain. Pain is going to be the a showman. He is going to bring the pain. The guy can shoot. He can play. I like him a lot. And you mentioned, you know what? You can't even enter- you can entertain the argument. He's got two double-doubles. 10 points in the McNeese State. He 10-10 in that game. Kentucky, 15 points. And then against Columbia, he brought it. He was the reason why yep. Michigan State won that game. 26 points, Lou. 11 rebounds, 3 blocks, 2 steals. When you're blocking 3 shots a game, pain, house of pain, you mentioned it. I think so. I think... Uh... I think it's Payne and Appling. I don't yeah. think that we're gonna. I mean, I don't think we're gonna be successful without all of these guys. But, yeah. But I think I'm gonna stick with you with Appling because I think he's just such a big factor for this team. You know, Payne is gonna play well. But when a team, I, I agree. I think that's exactly what it is. You know, Payne's gonna play well, and if Keith can get over fifty percent, when he's never shot over fifty percent in a season before, if he gets you fifty plus. Whoa, Schnikes! We're looking at maybe a national championship run. He's always had that talent, and obviously everyone. And you never see it. And but that's the thing. I think this is the year, and I think he knows that he has to be that leader, bringing the ball out, playing that point position, and I think he's going to be. And so far, the signs are good. Signs are very good. 
Jaden? Keith Appling has been great. That 21-2 edge we had on transition points, that starts with the point guard pushing the ball I off agree. the court. Look, keeping his head up, looking up the court. But the thing about Payne is we do not have depth with big men. After Payne and Costello got in trouble, foul trouble in the game, Ghana came in. He had one rebound in 13 minutes. Schilling logged zero minutes. I don't know how this is possible. Zero minutes and had three personal fouls. So he's a young guy. Schilling is. He has to get better. And that's the problem with these new hand-checking rules is our big guys are going to get in trouble. And that's when Randall started to go off. Randall ended up with 27 and 13. Well, we Julius Randall is happen. a hell of an athlete. Yeah. And you can't shut that. Mm-hmm. You know, I forget who it was. I think it was my father. He told me, look, an athlete's like that you can't shut those guys down. You only can contain, contain them. them. Contain so them. you're containing a Julius Randle. I, I don't think 27-15 is a contain because that was his yeah. line. But you know what? To an extent, he's the guy you let off. But you contain him to a certain point that they don't win the game. Michigan State does the job, guys. And in the first half, Payne was going point to point, man to man with Randle. It was just that foul trouble. The I, I I cannot stand it's as you would say, cabbage. It's cabbage. cabbage. These hand checks rules. It's just a free throw contest, which we won against Kentucky. They were twenty. For 30 to 36, thanks to the Lord they didn't make more free throws because that game would have been tough. I agree. The game would have been tough, but here's the thing with the hand checking. Guys, that's the rule. That The NBA has had this rule in place. Now the NCAA adapts it. This is the rule. Now Tom Izzo needs to preach to his team that, hey, this is what they're calling. You have to adapt to it. Right? Yeah, I mean, you have to be more disciplined. I mean, uh, discipline is it. And in Tom Izzo's team, it's discipline. That's what you need to preach. It is discipline, but we are physical on another level. You hear about all the drills they do in football pads during practice. Does that affect us negatively? I think it kind of does, the fact that we can't put our hands on guys, get physical with them, push them around, intimidate them, because we are a tougher team. And if we can't push them around a little bit, does that affect our rebounding statistics? We lost 44-32 to on the rebounds. That's uncharacteristic. How does Michigan State get out-rebounded? We don't get out-rebounded. Exactly. We don't. And here's my thing, and you mentioned the rebounds. Michigan State out-rebounded, Faith, out-rebounded defensively, overall, and offensively. So they're completely out-rebounded. That is so uncharacteristic for Michigan State. And usually, when they get out-rebounded, they they lose games. So, Faith, I mean, do you see this as a problem? If Michigan State in the Big Ten, could you see Michigan State winning a game when they get out-rebounded? I don't. No, not at all. Okay. And Michigan State, it's the first time in two seasons they've got out-rebounded in consecutive games. Both KU and now Columbia. Columbia. Oh, Columbia. my gosh. No. The and, Lions. But Michigan State had only five offensive rebounds. Let's talk about that. That's terrible. And I think Izzo prides himself like on his team about rebounding and defense. So it's a problem, and they need to fix it. They have to fix it. Lou? I don't think there's any question that the reason of these rebounding stats are the way they are is because of these new rules and because of the they way gotta they got to adjust. It's it an adjustment period. that's what it is. It's adjusting, and that's why, thankfully, it's a long season. I mean, you, you come up playing basketball since you're a kid, and that's what you do. You put mm-hmm. in the post and you shove people around. Yeah, I mean, and all it, of a sudden you can't do that. It's, it, it's going to take time. They really have to start practicing. It's one hand. Once that second hand goes on the defender, down low, in the key, whatever you want to say, you have to put one hand up. Once that second hand goes up, it's just like, no, like, don't do it. That second hand goes up, foul, it's immediately going to be called. And that's something that needs to be noticed. And I guarantee Coach Izzo has a few uh, crafty drills in his playbook. Oh, there's no doubt Coach Izzo will take time and adjust to this. I have no problem at all. But you look at their upcoming schedule, they do have UNC coming up in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They did lose a game, though, but they're still a tough team on the slate. UNC is always, historically, Tom Izzo has had trouble with Roy Williams. Ever since Roy Williams has got to UNC, we've actually been 0-6 against him. So I think that's a bigger game, actually, than the Kentucky game, is erasing that history. Kind of, UNC, I feel like, looks down on us. 
I mean, they definitely can, you know, you can say they look down on us, but it's at the Breslin Center. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not at the Dean Dome. It's at the Breslin Center. And that's a big game for Michigan State because, really, that's the only ranked opponent left on the schedule before the new year, Faith. Now, Michigan State has never lost in the month of November under Tom Izzo in the past 19 years. Think about that. How unbelievable is that? They've never lost in November under Coach Izzo. They're ranked number one, guys. This football team looks absolutely outstanding. They play at Northwestern this weekend. Maybe Sparty can get the 10-1. and We can pray 7-0. and Basketball team, they're one in the nation for the first time since 2000-2001 season. They look good. They beat Kentucky. But always on the Pact, we celebrate. We talk about Michigan State sports, Detroit sports. As always, Fino is your host every Monday from 7-8 on 88.9 FM. We have Austin Goodman, Show Harry Jade, Harry Jaden, Faith Krugelecki, and our producer slash panelist, Lou Movember Divizio. Hair looks good. Mustache looks even better. Glad to be here, guys. Glad to be here. <laughs> Catch us every Monday, 7-8. Fino signing off. You can see us again in the basement of Holden Hall. See you later, guys. This is Fino.